Good morning. Thanks for joining us this special weekend. Hey, back in uh, 2001, young couple uh, joined our staff, John and Bianca Fowler. John served as our youth pastor and did a fantastic job for seven years. He was here until 2008. Such an impact on our church. I know our family personally and so many of you were impacted by John's ministry. 2008, John left here to go train at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. After his training there, he began his preparation for missions and uh, went over to Panama, and today is the director of Word of Life Panama. The cool thing about that is, back in 2006, John took our first ever trip with our youth to Panama. And uh, they came back and they said, man, we have got to get involved in the orphanage, we've got to get involved in some stuff. And so we as a church began getting more involved in Panama, and today, Uh, you'll hear later, we take four trips uh, to Panama every year. So our partnership with Panama uh, is is tight, and it's a privilege for us uh, to minister with them. So you're going to hear from John today, the message that God has laid on his heart. We're so happy to have them here. We're so happy that we can partner uh, with John and Bianca in their ministry in Panama. So join me in welcoming John Fowler. And there we are. All right. I just want to say, yeah, another fucking job. John, good job. Um, we're really thankful to be here, really. Uh, you know, my wife and our kids, we feel like the, the, the Bible Chapel has just rolled out the red carpet for us, and we just feel really blessed and thankful. It has been a lot of fun. Ron, uh, hanging out with you. Too many jokes, probably. It's hard to find us when we're serious. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, really. A blessing to be here back at the church. And yeah, it's been a long road. A lot of of things have happened since we left. We we left in June of 2008, following the Lord. And and, um, God has been good. And many of you guys have been part of that journey. So um, I wanted to show you guys a picture that captures the moment uh, when we were commissioned on this very stage one Sunday morning in 2006. Uh, It's coming in. Drum roll, please. There we go. Okay, awesome. Um, I love this picture because in this moment, not only was I lighter and weighed less and uh, Ron had a different sense of style, um, <clears throat> apparently playing cards were an integral part of our worship back then, um, but I love the fact that it captures all these people. I mean, there's some really special people in, the, in this picture, you know, and think about uh, so many of the kids that we had in youth ministry and we've been able to reconnect with some of them on this weekend and during this week, and it has been awesome. So it's been just really neat to see over the years what God's been doing. And I know my story is just one. There's so many stories of God's faithfulness in this room, you know. So many of you can speak about God's faithfulness with uh, times where he's helped you heal something that's broken, a marriage or a body or, or time when you finally understood really what Jesus Christ did for you. So man, I just love the fact that we're all together in this room this morning. I want to introduce you to my family too. This is the easiest way to do it. Uh, this is my wife, uh, Bianca. We've known each other since sixth grade. I know that's crazy, right? Sixth grade. We've been together since our junior year of high school, never been apart. 
Um, our three boys, Ethan is 16, he's now taller than me. Uh, Ezra, who's 13, and Eli, who's 10. Please pray for our grocery bill. Um, they eat like horses. I don't know where it goes. They think cereal boxes are a personal thing. I, you know, it's, uh, it's scary how much boys can consume, but it's a blessing. We have a lot of fun. They are part of our family and part of the first team, Team Fowler. But, you know, when we left, we went down to Panama with the intention of starting another team, and we did that. That team today is still going, still functioning, and still working on supporting, either revitalizing or starting churches or supporting the church in some, some form or fashion. But about a year ago, the Lord started to make it clear to us that he was moving us on. And so um, uh, about five months ago, officially, we were given the leadership of the Word of Life Panama team. And so this is my extended family now, right here. There's about uh, 20 missionaries in this picture. More are on the way because at least one of them is getting married and others are talking about joining us. And this is a very special group of people, very diverse. People from Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, uh, of course, Panama in the U.S., Argentina. And so it's a lot of fun. We have a, quite a variety on that team uh, within those people. So it's a, it's a real blessing to be able to do what we're doing. And the Bible Chapel has supported that ministry for a long time. And many, many of the individuals in this room. So we are very thankful for that. And um, we just want to say thank you officially from our team. But let's pray. We're going to go before the Lord. And uh, we want to invite him and his presence continuing our worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of gathering as a body in this place and uniting with believers to talk about your heartbeat for the nations, your desire to redeem the lost, to seek and to save those who do not know you. Lord, I pray for each person in this room this morning. We are act, asking you for a, a supernatural movement of God on hearts toward the mission of God to reach the world. In this room this morning, God, we pray that you'd be here present with us. Make our hearts sensitive to your voice. What I have to say is not important. My words don't matter, but your word does. And we want to know what you have to say to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. We need you, Lord. We invite you to this moment. We pray that you'd lead and guide us in our understanding of your scriptures, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to open up to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, while you're turning there, I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul, one of the 13 letters of the New Testament written by Paul. What I love about it on this side now, uh, what we're doing and where we are, I'm, I'm reflecting on his writings in a different way because these are missionary letters. Missionary letters from a missionary who traveled and brought the good news to people. So I love uh, looking at it through a new, a new lens. And so we're going to read Colossians chapter 1. Uh, right now, but we're going to focus on the first eight verses. <clears throat> this book was, uh, scholars agree, probably written around the 60s AD, uh, around the same time as Ephesians and Philemon. Um, one of the unique things about this book is actually that Paul, at this point when he wrote it, had not yet been there to this town. So Paul's writing to people, but unlike Philippians and Ephesus and some of these other places, he only heard about these believers from a distance. Very much like the people in this room hear about what's going on in Thailand or hear about what's going on in Kenya or hear about what's going on in Panama. 
And so it's neat because I think it has relevant applications to us here and now in this moment. These are missionary realities that we can reflect on this morning, okay? So let's read together. Uh, This is, I'll just read for us here, uh, verse one through verse eight. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossus, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you all over the world, the gospel's bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. All right, now there's so many good things here and I feel like I could talk for five hours, but I'm not gonna do that, okay? But I just wanna point out some things I think that are really important for us here and now today, okay? Paul, when he writes in verse three, says something really important. This is a foundational point. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Interesting point, the fact that Paul had not yet been there, but he had a ministry of prayer and an intercession for the believers in Colossae or in Colossae. He had heard about these believers, and so he made a point of praying for them. Now imagine if you had heard that a spiritual giant like Paul the Apostle was so excited about your spiritual growth that it compelled him to pray for you and thank God for you. I mean, that would be, that would be amazing, right? Paul the Apostle was praying for these believers because he had heard about all the good things going on there. Here's my point. Right now, point number one, you can start doing ministry without ever leaving your home if you pray. We need your prayers. We need you to pray for God's work around the world. We are praying for a movement of hearts. We need people. We are part of God's plan. We need to hit our knees and ask God to do great things in this world. And you can do that without ever leaving your room, without your feet ever touching the the floor. You can start doing ministry every morning by praying. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for the suffering church. Pray for these short-term teams. Pray for this church. Pray for Pittsburgh. Start to pray because when we pray, God listens. God hears us. And God will move. So I want to invite you as a first point that prayer should be foundational to everything we do. Paul was praying for these believers and he had only heard of what was going on in their lives. And you can do that too. Everybody in this room can have a ministry of prayer. And you can do that without ever leaving your house. Second thing, verse four, he says, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Here's my second point. Real spiritual life will always manifest itself with real results, something visible. You cannot hide. When someone is growing spiritually, when it is real, it will come out somewhere. Eventually, you're going to see something tangible, something visible, some proof, some evidence of the residence of the Holy Spirit inside of your heart is going to show itself at some point. You know, I, I, I always think of this example, and probably you've heard this many times. You imagine if I was standing here with a chair, and I tell you, this chair, I believe this chair will hold me. I really believe this chair will hold me and I loudly proclaim to you that this chair will hold me but you won't believe that I really believe that this chair will hold me until I do what? 
until I sit down in this chair. Because faith is demonstrated, right? Because it's shown, it's some visible form. It will manifest itself. So real spiritual life will at some point work its way out in something visible. So Paul had heard of these two things. Faith in Jesus Christ and their love for all the saints. Now, if there ever was such a thing as a professional disciple maker, Paul would have been the guy. He knew the signs to look for. He, he knew what to watch for. And I'm sure there are many more, but in these two things, these are key. Because our faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask the question, you have to stop and think backwards. What would he have been observing or hearing about to understand that they had faith in Jesus Christ? Something had to be visible. You know what it simply is? It's a word we don't say very often or think about very often. It's the idea of repentance. Repentance is running from Changing directions and running away from our sin and running to Jesus Christ. It's a total 180 degree turn. We're running away from those things and we're running to him. Leaving the darkness and running to the light. Running away from death and bondage and captivity and running to freedom and love and Jesus Christ. So when that happens, what does that look like? Well, 1 Thessalonians, I could take you there. We won't go there now, but he talks about those believers leaving their idols behind. When we run away from our sin, when we leave that stuff behind, and you guys only know, between you and God, what's going on in your lives, you only know what, what's happened in your life, what things might be you know, part of your, your idols in your life or your sins, but you know if you run away from those things and you run towards Jesus Christ, there's gonna be a visible difference in your life. People will see that. And Paul had started to see their true faith in Jesus Christ too. These believers were truly living it. They had faith in Jesus Christ. But not only that, they had love for all the saints. I, I, I like thinking about this because, um, you know, it's funny. Oftentimes, sometimes as believers, we don't get along. And I think to myself, we better start getting along and loving each other because eternity's a long time. You're going to be in heaven with these people, you know. I hope you start to like each other, you know, because we'll be together a long time. We need to show love to each other. This place right here should be a place where people can not only hear the gospel, but feel the gospel, right? Right here in this place, we should be into each other's lives in a good way, and, and when people walk into this room, they should sense love. Man, it's a special place. These believers here, they know each other, they care about each other, they're concerned about each other's well-being. Not in a nebby, nosy kind of way, but they want the success and the growth and the glorification of Jesus Christ through human lives. And in this place, we preach the gospel, but is this a place we can feel the gospel? The love of Jesus Christ? Man, my wife and our kids, we feel like we've had the red carpet rolled out for us since we've come back. It's just been so wonderful. But I know I'm not the only one. I mean, this, this church has shown love to missionaries and ministries, and the individuals in this church have shown love to missionaries and ministries around the world. God's fingerprints through you are all over the world. That's awesome. That's amazing, the love for believers worldwide. That, that's a mark of real spiritual life, of real spiritual growth. And Paul saw both of these two things and it made him thank God, made him thank God. And I think we, we look for these results, these real results. I think of this uh, plant in my yard. I have a picture. In our yard in Panama, it's crazy. We actually have tons of different fruits in our yard. Okay, we got papaya and pineapple. We have three kinds of bananas. I didn't even know there were three kinds of bananas. Okay? When we moved in, the, the people who were there were telling us all this stuff. This was crazy. And then they said, oh, yeah, there's this passion fruit vine, but it's basically dead. And I was kind of like, oh, bummer. I would love to have known what that was like. And then later on, a couple of months later, I walk through the yard, and I see this this vine that was supposed to be dead 
and it's creeping all over the place and it's got these beautiful flowers and this fruit coming all over the place. I mean, it's just amazing just seeing this thing. And I was just thinking about the fact that when something is alive, eventually you're gonna see results in some way. You're gonna see it come out. And think about that for us in our spiritual lives as well. Faith in Jesus Christ and our love for all the saints. But there's more, okay? All right, continuing on. Because we have heard, verse four, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, fruits and the flowers and the visible things of our life, spiritual lives. Verse five says, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. It's this image in my mind of this, of this plant that's just showing fruits and, and, and flowers and, and faith and love and it's coming from this hope stored up for us in heaven because we have confidence and assurance that when we die, we're gonna be with God forever. We have that peace. We don't have to wonder. If we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, we know where we're gonna go. It makes us live differently. We live differently, but where does it come from? Did you catch this? In verse, in verse five at the end, it says, stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Do you know that the gospel is the seed of hope in the world? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the seed of all hope in the world. And if there was ever a time that our world needed hope, it's right now. There are dark places in the world. There are depressed places in the world that need hope and you have it. You have the seed because you know the gospel. I know you have it because you can't be a Christian without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, understanding the gospel and you have it inside of you. You have the key, you have the gospel message and that is what the world needs. And it's not always what you think. It's not always what you think. Sometimes it's Panama. Sometimes it's, it's you know, the slums in Mathari. Sometimes it's Thailand. Sometimes it's in, it's in wealthy homes. Because wherever darkness is, is where we need to plant that seed of hope. I remember a couple years ago, well, several years ago, when I was leading a senior trip uh, from this church, and uh, we were taking all the seniors to um, Ohio Pile. Raise your hand if you know Ohio Pile. Raise your hand because I can't do this everywhere. You guys know, so I can take advantage of that. Went to, we were gonna go to Ohio Pile and we were gonna do whitewater rafting. And I was really excited. We had a group of seniors. We we're gonna go make some memories. And um, so we go the night before and it's raining, downpour. And, and we get, the next morning we get to the river and the water is 14 feet higher. And they asked me if I could sign an additional waiver form for the kids because it was so high and running so fast. And normally I didn't have good judgment as a youth pastor, okay? But this was one accidental success in my life where I actually said, I don't think I have the authority to sign an additional waiver form for all these kids. So we decided not to go whitewater rafting and everybody was bummed, but we thought, you know, what, what could we do? Because nearby, we realized, was a place called Laurel Caverns. I thought, let's, let's go. Someone said, let's go spelunking. At first I thought they said a bad word, you know? But then I realized spelunking just means caving. You're going down into these caves, and this cave is really long, like a mile, mile and a half, or something like that. So, all right, let's go. So we, so we go to this cave, and we're, we're, we're all down in there, and the guide's showing us around. We got our flashlights, and I don't remember how far we got, maybe halfway down in the cave. And then the guide goes, okay, everybody, turn off your flashlights. And so we all turn off our flashlights. And then he goes, 
welcome to the darkest place in the world. And I think he was waiting for us to go, ooh. (laughs) But in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, I know one place still yet darker, and that's the hearts of human beings that don't know Jesus Christ. Darker than the darkest place in the world. The people who don't have hope for where they're gonna go when they die. And the gospel is the seed for that hope. Amen? And we have that, and we need to share that, okay? So, the gospel is the seed of hope. Then it goes on, uh, says, uh, the, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you, verse six, all over the world, this, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Here's the second point, the next point, that the gospel always has the same effects, predictable effects. The gospel still changes lives. Jesus told us about the effects of when the word was preached, and you can find this in Matthew and Mark and Luke and the Synoptic Gospels. He tells the same parable. It's called the parable of the sowers. And he tells a story of these four soils, which are four scenarios for what happens when the word of God is sown. I think we have a picture on the screen. I'm a simple guy. I like pictures. All right, there we go, okay? So with the first idea, the first scenario of when, when the gospel's preached is sometimes the, the word is thrown out there and the ravens come and snatch it up and there's no chance for it to be accepted or received. The second is that in, initially there's a, an acceptance with joy, but the roots don't go deep and when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant and the plant doesn't survive. And then the, the, the third scenario is the, the plant that's received, it goes down deep and it has the roots, but unfortunately it was sown among the thorns and the plant grows and while it grows, it grows with the thorns and eventually the thorns choke the life out of this thing. But it's the fourth scenario that has success where the seed goes deep down, the roots are there, it grows and produces 10, 20, 30, 100 times what was sown. The gospel has this effect, but it's predictable. It's the same effect. And Paul is saying, this same gospel that has been doing this, it's still doing this. And it's still doing it today. You and I are here because the gospel still has the same effect. That has come to you all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. This gospel is always moving. It demands to move. It must keep moving. You've heard the saying, you know, uh, nothing travels faster than bad news. I think nothing travels longer than good news because we keep preaching the gospel. We've been preaching it for 2,000 years. Sharing this message with people because the gospel is what changes lives. So nothing, nothing will change that the gospel continues to move. In addition to that, at the end of verse six, he says the gospel, he says, just as, you, uh, uh, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. The gospel message is when it's heard and understood, it's about God's grace. Now I need to explain something. This is something that's helped me when I understand the gospel. There's a relationship between a couple of words. For us to really understand this, I think this really helps. We all understand what justice is, right? You guys like those movies where the bad guy always gets caught, right? We love the endings where like he finally gets what he deserves, you know? We feel satisfied by that. <clears throat> well, and we, we always love justice when it's applied to other people. 
but when it's applied to us, we're not so much a fan, you know? I've heard it said that with other people, we're really good judges, but with ourselves, we're really good lawyers, you know? We don't like justice applied to ourselves. But the reality is simply this. Justice is getting what you deserve. Simple. You just get what you deserve. Well, we know that for the wages of sin is death. The truth is sinners deserve death. So that's what my punishment is. That's what I deserve. But then there's another word, mercy. We understand justice. What is mercy? Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. The sentence is withheld. I I deserve this, but I haven't gotten this. That's mercy. The law or God, there's a a withholding from what I actually deserve, the justice that is really mine. Then there's this third word, grace. What is grace? Grace is when we understand that in spite of what we deserve, we are blessed. In spite of the fact that John was an enemy of God, now John is a child of God. In spite of the fact that you were once an enemy of God, you are now a child of God. He blesses you. He loves you. He lavishes his love on you. That's grace. But without us understanding what we deserve, I don't know how we could ever understand the grace of God. We need to understand first what we really deserve and what we didn't get and what we got in place of that before we can really understand the gospel message. So the gospel is about God's grace. In verse seven, he goes on, he says, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood understood God's grace and all its truth, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. The gospel is still carried by people. I know we live in a technological age, but people are behind that. The gospel is carried by people because God has made us part of his team. It's this amazing plan that he has. He calls you to faith in his son. We become children of God, and then he makes you, in addition to being saved, he makes you part of the team of reconcilers. He invites you to participate in his grand plan for redemption in the world. He wants you to play a part in this. Every single person in this room has a part to play. When I first left in 2006 and we were prayed over on this stage, I had a major blind spot. My world was youth ministry. I love those kids. We still love those kids, even though those kids are having kids and it makes me feel old. I remember thinking the sun rose and set on youth ministry. But when I went down to Panama, an important deposit that God made in my life was waking me up to what he was doing in the world. I had a blind spot. I didn't understand that God had this grand redemptive plan to reach the world and that he wanted me to play a part in that. But you know what? He wants you to play a part in that too. It's not just John, not just weirdo missionaries. This is for every single person. I love this quote, it's been said, that there's only three kinds of Christians when it comes to missions. There's goers, there's senders, and disobedient. (laughs) I don't know who you wanna be, but everybody's called to be a part of missions. Absolutely every single person. So I'm gonna challenge you guys with something that you've probably got in your hands, you probably that you've seen. The challenge to pray, send, or go. On this weekend, 
of international ministries, I want you to think about what God is telling you to do. Every single person in this room is called to be a part of God's grand redemptive plan. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you know your life is not your own. And we owe him everything we have. We are not trying to earn our favor because we already have God's favor. But we live our lives as a thank you to God for everything he's done for us. So what's your part to play? When I say pray, I want you to think about praying for missionaries around the world. I want you to think about praying for the suffering church around the world. I want you to think about praying for the short-term teams that we send out from this launch pad. I want you to think about praying for this church right here, but making more of your prayer life and not just reading God your grocery list, but praying that God would move in a mighty way. I've already been praying for this church. Last night, my team was sending me text messages telling me that they were praying for you in Panama. They're praying for you because we're praying for a movement of God on people's hearts so that people don't just come to church, but they're involved and they get out of the stands and onto the field. That's what we need. I love the fact that people are coming to Panama, but one thing I've noticed is sometimes it's the same people coming to Panama and they just go in that group of weirdos, you know? They're all into missions. But you know God wants all of us involved and I think we need new blood. I think we need more people. We've got a men's trip coming up in April and in May, at the end of April, start of May. We need men to come down. We have a ton of projects at the camp. And I, I will tell you this, this church supports missionaries and ministries around the world. So please don't hear me say that I'm the only one. You walk out the door and look at the table on the left, you can see all the missionaries that we support. Do something, help them. But I can speak from my context. We need a lot of help. We need men to come down and help us in Panama. There's a lot to be done. The youth, I want you guys to come down. I want to see your faces in Panama, July 1st through the 10th. We need more people there. People are so hungry for the gospel. And now is the time to strike. Now is the time to talk to people about Jesus Christ. We can walk into public schools and tell them about Jesus Christ. We have teachers give their lives to Christ when we go. They ask for Bibles. They want to know when we're coming back. They're hungry. And if history tells us anything, it won't stay like that forever. Now's the time. We need to be telling people about Jesus Christ and we need your help with that. Every team that comes down helps us in the ministry. But also I want you guys to think about giving. Maybe you can't go or maybe you can and maybe you're just a person that has a little extra resources. We need your help. When I first came on to the team about five months ago, I realized we were woefully underfunded. And so we're making some tough decisions, some short-term sacrifices for some long-term gains. And I've challenged the team. We're trying to do something we've, that's never happened on the Word of Life team in Panama. We're calling it 100 with 100. Ciento por ciento con ciento por ciento. 100% with 100%. That's what we're praying for. Some of the missionaries barely believe it's possible. 1% for a missionary is 40 bucks a month. Our missionaries are trying hard. I, I'm gonna embarrass her, where's Jindy? Here's Jindy. She's really little, so you have to like make sure you see her, okay? Jindy, we did a training on how to do support raising and talk to partners on uh, the middle of September and in two months she's already gone up 25%. She, we're, she's sitting at 75%. She needs 800 bucks and she'll be, she could be the first missionary to reach 100%. 800 bucks a month to, to, to be fully funded. And here's the thing, and a lot of people think when missionaries come and they're asking for money, like, oh, here, let's give them something to make them happy, you know? I don't want you to think of it like that, man. <laughs> Giving money is way too easy. <laughs> We want your partnership. We're looking for champions who will back us and who will pray for us and who will be invested 
in us with themselves. We need partners. People who will lift us up, encourage us, visit us. We need that. And that's what I want to challenge you with. Maybe God will call you to be one of our partners. If you're interested in that, we can talk afterwards. I'll be over here. There's a website called followingthefowlers.com and you can check that out too. But I just want you guys to know we, we need you and we need you now. And I'm praying that God would start to move across this church in, in even new and fresh ways. This church has supported us for so long and done wonderful things, but he is not done yet. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for all the good things that you have done. As we have sung about and we've talked about, you have done great things. There is no one like you and we must tell the world of your goodness. We want the world to know you and we will proclaim your name among the nations. I pray for this church, God, because I know you have great things ahead. You have great things in store because this church loves you. This church is following hard after you. There are people here in this room with fiery hearts for the Lord. And I pray, God, that you would just build on the good things that have happened here, God, and take this church to new places to do new things. Every single person in this room matters. And every single person in this room needs to be a part of your grand plan for redemption in the world. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. card right here. It says trip list on one side and so will I on the other side. On the trip list side, there are 11 trips that we have scheduled beginning in March, going through March of 2021. We're going to challenge you first, if you're at a stage of life where you can go, we're going to challenge you to go. There are 11 trips Nine are ministry trips, some of them are work trips, sharing the gospel, doing different things. Two are vision trips, where you can go, we'll take a smaller group, and you can go see firsthand what's going on in Thailand, and you can see firsthand what's going on in the slums of Mathari. Tunch and I are leading uh, that uh, vision trip to Kenya in March 17 to 23, 2020. And we encourage you, if God has resourced you and he's put a passion on your heart for Kenya, go with us on that trip. The other trips, again, are opportunities for you to get involved. And here's the cool thing about going on a trip. One, you'll be stretched like you've never been stretched before. You'll depend on God like you've never depended on him before. You'll be in an environment where you're not that comfortable. And so you'll have to depend on God to give you everything that you need during that time. We ask that you also prepare to go. And so you'll go through several weeks together with your team to get prepared and learn about the place you're going and the needs over there, and you'll build a team. So connection, one of our values, is a huge part of our trips as well. We will help you raise support. You say, I'd like to go, but I don't have the airfare and what it would take to go, that's fine will help you raise support. We'll show you how to do it, and it'll be a humbling experience, but it'll also be a great experience for you to depend on the Lord. And as John just shared with us, it's not the monies that are given to you, that's important, 
but it's people say, I'm going to be praying for you as you go. We have bracelets in the lobby of all of our trips this year. So take all the bracelets, and then when you see a trip coming up, put the bracelet on that week and be praying for those who are stretching themselves to go on a trip. Teenagers, I want to talk for you. I don't want to talk to teenagers. John already did that, right? I'm going to talk to parents of teenagers. You know why a lot of teenagers don't go on trips? They're parents. Their parents won't let them go. Their parents don't want to see them getting on a plane and heading someplace where they don't, they, they don't know where they're going. And parents, I'm going to challenge you. When you dedicate your kids here, we stand up here and say, we want them to stand for Christ even if they have to stand alone. And you're going to have to let them go do those things. I promise you, when Lori and I have seen our kids get on a plane, it's a little scary. You pray a little harder. But what a tremendous opportunity for our kids to get in a situation out of the bubble of the South Hills and see that there are some needy kids around the world. You guys are going to go to Panama. You'll go to the orphanage, and uh, you'll see some kids in pretty difficult situations. And you'll be able to minister to them uh, firsthand. Now, the thing about going on a mission trip is you go and you do ministry, and that's cool. But you know who really does the ministry? God does the ministry to your heart, and you come back different. And so the cool part about you teenagers and the rest of you going on mission trips is you change our church. Our church, our church was changed when John took, I don't know, 40 or 50 kids over to Panama. And it was those kids that came back and said, we got to pick it up. The teenagers said, we got to pick it up. We got to be involved in the ministry over there. We got to do something for the orphans over there. We got to get serious about this. And it was so cool to see our kids, our teenagers, led the way in really picking it up for, for missions throughout our church. And we love that. It happens every time they go. The other thing I want to say is, how would you guys like to learn on Monday morning that your salary had been reduced by 25%? And you're going to live on 75% or 43% or some of the statistics you saw up there. So that's what these guys are doing. Now in Panama, we had a lot of missionaries and we love everything going on around the world. Thailand is so exciting to see that. Kenya, so exciting to see that. Panama is a special place for us and here's the reason. We send four groups down there every year. Now I don't know uh, if you realize this, but we get to do a lot of preparation when we send groups. But man, these guys on their end, that's a ton of preparation. Think about 60 kids showing up at your house. 60 kids showing up to the camp. They get buses ready. They got food stops ready. They feed us during the week. And the, the investment that they make into us when we're there, man, it is significant. We love Panama. Because it's a relatively quick flight, right? One, one catch, Atlanta or, or sometimes New York, wherever we go out of, you're in Panama. You can get by with English over there. American dollar, so we don't have to go through all the currency changes. It's relatively safe. 
And Panama allows us a place where we can send. We, we have some tremendous partnerships around the world, but only one place we can send 50 kids to, and that's Panama. So it's special for our church. It's special in our hearts. And we're praying that if God so leads you, you'll not only pray, we should all be doing that, but go. Get out of your comfort zone. Show your kids what it's like to get out of the comfort zone. And then come back and, and then allow them to go on a trip. And then, as God has blessed you, and he's blessed us significantly. By the way, when you go, then you come back and you realize how significantly he has blessed us. Give. Give to the missionaries. Give to our global workers. Give to those going on trips. And uh, we just encourage you, get involved. Get engaged in this thing. In the lobby, uh, there are uh, two stations where you can go and you can get more information. Uh, these, these are the names of the trips and the dates. We have books that tell you all about those trips. There are teams that will, again, prepare for those. Uh, the Fowlers are going to be in room 185. I don't know where that is, but someone does. 185. And there's a reception uh, for you guys. So if you have questions, John and Bianca, uh, they'll be there uh, to talk with you guys. All right? So time to get up and get going, right? We've heard the challenge. When you hear a challenge and don't do anything about it, it doesn't do a lick of good. But when you hear a challenge and you respond to it, now you're moving forward to do what God's calling us to do. Father, we thank you. For the challenge we've had today, we thank you for the opportunities that you place in front of us. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts and minds of people. Everyone here, where are we going to go? How are we going to help others go? What are we going to do to take the gospel message around the world? But Father, we know when we do that, we're the ones who really benefit. We're the ones who are really developed. We're the ones who really stretched. And I pray, Father, you would just work in our hearts to make that happen today. In Christ's name, amen. Will you